it's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row, the biggest names, our guests on Box to Row. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. And you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. You know what this is. This is the one and only D-O-Double-G. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey, man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey, say what's happening, man? It's T.I.P., man. Hi, this is Jill Scott. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused. It's really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.BotchToRow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row. Real. Relevant. Radio. It's the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Wednesday, June 24th. I'm Donald Ware. On the line, we're joined by a gentleman entering his fourth season as the head football coach of the Yellow Jackets. A really, really good 2019 campaign for WVSU as John Pennington joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. How are you, Coach Pennington? I'm uh, doing great, Donnell. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Always good to have you. Your thoughts. I mean, I, I thought, you know, even even with the loss to end the season uh, to to the number one seat there uh, in the MEC, I, I thought you guys still had an opportunity. Uh, and, and Well, you had an opportunity. I thought you still should have probably made the D2 playoffs. It's so competitive. I mean, with the earned access and all of that, it, it, it's extremely hard. And it's sometimes it's hard even if you win the conference. But – you know, I mean, you guys should have been in the playoffs last year, right? Well, you know, I think, honestly, we, we had opportunities to to do our part to get in there, and I, I think we missed uh, those opportunities, and that's, you know, it's an important lesson and, and an important step for our program. You know, there's there's a huge difference between being really good and being a champion, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small jump. But there's so many little things that you have to do to, to achieve that goal and to get or get in the playoffs. And I think that I think we had opportunities and we missed them. And uh, you know we we gave it our we gave it our best. We we had some opportunities. We were right there. We fought as hard as we could fight. Uh, but you know there were some things that we didn't quite do well enough, maybe in practice or uh, you know with with things in the off season. So I think as a team we realized that okay we're not we're not quite there yet. We had our opportunities whether we got in or not. Um, we we should have done our part and it wouldn't have mattered. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really, you had some games where you were sort of the cardiac kids where you had to come back. A couple of those games, if I remember, and, and, and pull them out, you know, late in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. Five of our seven wins were comeback fourth quarter wins. So uh, you can imagine what kind of season it was for uh, for the old ball coach here. It was, it was very, uh, very stressful, but it was, you know, we, we just had a we had a great team that was connected. That we had great leadership, uh, and you know, I think that shows that um, you know we've invested a lot into our culture. That's that's what we feel makes us elite is our culture and how we do things at West Virginia State and how we invest in our players. And 
I think that you could see the, the fruits of our labor a little bit this year that, you know, we won, you know, f- five of our seven wins were, you know, one possession last couple minutes or last couple seconds. I think we had three wins where we scored a touchdown in the last 30 seconds of the game. And, you know, you don't do that by accident. You don't do that because, uh, you know, when you have it happen that many times, it's not luck or it's not coincidence. It's, you know, it's, you got a team that, that loves each other, that's connected, that uh, believes and has faith and fights together. And I think that, you know, kind of showed everyone in our program that, man, this some of these uh, strange things that we do to, to stay connected and be mentally tough, they're, they're really starting to pay off for us. No, I think I think that's a good point to segue to my next question as the culture that you've been able to build really in excess of uh, of now four years because you were the offensive coordinator uh, prior to being the head coach with all that's going on with George Floyd, uh, with the protests, uh, you went to a Juneteenth. Um, event in Charleston, West Virginia, uh, on Friday. What have you been able to say? And you have a good a, a mixture of of all black kids, white kids, etc. Uh, on the Yellow Jackets. What have you been able to convey to your team in the of what we're seeing now uh, in the U.S.? Well, yeah, we have one of the most diverse HBCUs in the country, I, I would imagine, and. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, that I pledged to do was to listen, learn, and lead. And that's, that's really what I've been trying to do since everything, uh, you know, personally. And that's what I told my team. And that's so I've been, I've been uh, you know, listening. I've been learning. And then now it's, it's time to lead. And so uh, we met as a – I met with my leadership council. We obviously talked about some things as a staff. But I met with my leaders, and we just had an open discussion about racism and uh, race, you know, on our football team and what – what we wanted to do as a program uh, to have one voice. And that's kind of, we created a hashtag called one voice. And I, we, uh, we came up with, and I say we, because this was not, I didn't come up with this, but uh, they wanted, uh, you know, we're the yellow jackets. So we have an acronym that's called be the change and it's B E E. And it stands for believe, believe that change is possible. Educate, educate yourself and, and educate others and empower. And we want, we want our, our players to, to put positive messages out there, to unite people and unite our community, and to be a positive symbol for racial equality and, and to try and end discrimination or eliminate discrimination of any kind. So we, we just really tried to come together and, and communicate what we wanted to be saying and what we wanted to represent. And I thought it was, it was one of the most powerful meetings I've been a part of. I wish it was in person. You know, it, it was on a Zoom call, but it, it was powerful. And uh, it's brought our team closer together, and our team is now – um, you know, now we're, we're kind of, um, we, we have a, we're determined to be a positive symbol, uh, you know, in this racial equality and, and the social inequality that's out there. We want to make sure that we're a positive message for our community and people can look up at the West Virginia State University program and say, man, look, look at how those guys love each other and, and play for each other and uh, how they're able to, pr- you know, produce incredible results because they work together and they're united. And so we're, we're pretty uh, impassioned about it right now. And, um, it, it has been uh, it's been difficult as a leader, you know, uh, you know, trying to make sure that that we are all on the same upset and protesting, and we've encouraged that, but we've encouraged them also to do it in a way that is empowering to others, and not you know we don't want them to post things that's hating on any group of people. We want to, if they they do something publicly, we we want them to do it to believe, educate, and empower. So that's that's been our one voice. Yeah, has there. You know, has there been any, and I was going to ask you about some of your pl- uh, players, have they protested? You've indicated that. I mean, have there been uh, protests there 
uh, in the state of, of West Virginia? And have some of your players been involved in some of those protests? You know, we have had some here in Charleston. I don't re- I'm not uh, aware of, of if, if they have or haven't, uh, to be honest with you. But we've been, um, we've been trying to just look internally about what we can do as a team. So we're, we've, um, you know, we've come up with some uh, – we've made some videos together and trying to do some things just to be, like I said, just a positive symbol out there. And there's so much uh, uh, negativity and hostility sometimes in the media that – we just want to be, you know, a positive symbol. And we think we can do that right state and, and the Yellow Jackets just to be, um, you know, a positive symbol. So I, I know I, I saw, I see guys on the, you know, on social media and, that were uh, protesting. And I, and I reached out to those guys one-on-one and just had conversations about, you know, what we could do as a program. And I just tried to listen uh, to what they had to say. And I, I learned a lot. I, I think I've learned a lot and come a long way in, in my own uh, how, you know, how I can do a better job of, of um, helping make sure our players feel like they, you know, they have a fair shot. I mean, I guess there's things that, um, you know, that, that you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you haven't had those conversations. And I think our team has done a great job of just having open dialogue. And that's, to me, what it's all about. John Pennington in his fourth season as the head football coach at West Virginia State joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. So Austin Hensley, a, a phenomenal season last year. You keep a quarterback – um, I, I know he's going to be a guy that's missed his, you know, I, I know Donovan Riddick has played a couple of games or played in a couple of games for you last year. Um, I know you're going to miss Hensley. Uh, is, is Riddick your guy going into 2020? Well, you know, uh, it's always an open competition. We do have another player that has, uh, Matt Jude, that has played significant minutes um, or he's played in important moments. He's thrown a touchdown and he's played over the last two years. So, uh, him and Donovan would be competing. Donovan would be, uh, you know, he ended the season ahead of Matt. But, you know, Donovan started in the, the conference championship game as a true freshman, first college start. He was injured. Uh, him and Austin both got injured the week before. And uh, we didn't know if he was going to play till Friday. So he played on a bad ankle. I think he threw for 200 yards, no interceptions, maybe two touchdowns or one touchdown. And I, he, he was our leading rusher, too. I think he ran for 60-some yards. And, and that was an injured – you know, true freshman, first start, you know, conference championship game. If that, if that tells you anything about the excitement that I have for him, is just his poise. He's such an incredible young man. He's a 3.8 student. Uh, you know, he's, he's just very calm. You know, he's very mature for his age. And uh, he's, he's one that can run and throw. I think he had our top three most explosive runs of our season last year as a wildcat kind of, you know, gadgety quarterback that we used him as, you know, we were going to redshirt him, but he was so good, Donnell. He was so amazing. We were like, we, I mean, even though we have the best quarterback in the conference, we have to play this guy. He, he, could, he could win us an extra two or three games, and we feel like he did. So he, we didn't have spring practice, but Donovan got, uh, you know, he got the fall to get his feet wet. You know, he, got, he started one game. He played uh, significantly in the game before and won, you know, won that game, uh, came in in the second quarter and really, you know, pulled us out. Uh, to beat Wheeling. So I think uh, that that experience was wonderful for him. He's really had a great summer being, you know, trying to step into that leadership role, which is hard for a, you know, a true sophomore. You're only, only 19 years old, still trying to figure it out yourself. But he's done, a, done an outstanding job. So we're looking forward to, uh, to, to him showing what he can really do with a full season under his belt. How tough a conference is the Mech? Um, I mean, it's, it's so um, competitive. There's not a big separation or gap between 
all the teams. I mean, Notre Dame was a, you know, they went to the uh, uh, the regional championship and they won the region the year before. And I mean, if you look at their scores, I mean, they were in some dog fights. And every week, I mean, we beat West Virginia Wesleyan. It took uh, three to uh, you know come back and beat West Virginia Wesleyan. So uh, and they they only won one game. So that you know that and. I mean, all of our games were close. I think we only had one, two games that we won by, you know, more than one possession. And uh, we felt we were a playoff caliber team. So I think that uh, just every week is going to be a battle. You know that. There's not a big talent gap between teams. It's, it's very well, you know, distributed. You know, you had an elite, really an elite receiving core last year when you look at, you know, you look at Isaiah Scott over 1,000 yards receiving, Tyrone uh, light. You look at Zach Pate. You look at what AJ uh, Barnett was able to do. Uh, uh, do those any of those guys come back for you in 2020? Uh, Ty Light does, and he is he is definitely our number one. You know, we, we he is our he's one, he's one of our leaders. I'm sure he'll be a captain. He's one of our most you know uh, vocal leaders, and uh, he was he was one of our best receivers last year too. We just had so many of them that we spread it out, but. So he'll be our, our go-to guy, our number one receiver. And then, you know, we have a lot of guys coming back that uh, we feel we're excited about. We just haven't really seen them do a lot on Saturdays yet. And then we, we signed five freshmen that we are, uh, are thrilled about. Um, and we have another returner, E.J. Bradshaw, who played a good bit last year, would have played more, but we just had so many seniors. And E.J. has played, you know, he's played a good bit over the last two years. So we're expecting – EJ to be our slot receiver and Ty Light will be our number one. And we just, we got to find a number two outside receiver, uh, whether it's one of our guys that's been in the program or one of these freshmen. And we also got a transfer from uh, a division one transfer that we're excited about. So we've got enough, you know, it's kind of one of those deals where if you get enough of them, you know, one of them is going to work out. Yeah. You don't know which one and it might be by committee, uh, but we know we got our number one guy. We know we got our slot. Uh, we also have a, a running back named Kibo Cunningham who, who we're thrilled about that we moved to receiver. Kibo is one of our leaders as well. He'll be a junior. He's uh, scored touchdowns in our program. He was our special teams player of the year. So he's the guy that we're excited about and that we're going to do some stuff in the slot. He's a bigger body, 200-plus pounds. And we also – our fullback last year was an All-American, and he plays some slot – you know, he's a fullback slash slot receiver, which you don't see a lot of. So he'll <laughs> yeah. he'll catch some balls out of that. We'll split it. We'll split him out in the slot, and he'll catch some footballs too. So we've got a lot of different options, and I think with uh, with a running quarterback and the O line that we have coming back, and the, we have two, uh, we have a senior and a junior running back coming back, and our All American fullback that we're we're excited about our run game, and you know we get we just got to find that number two receiver, and that'll be probably the biggest question mark in camp. Yeah, uh, does Dylan Lucas, who was your leading rusher last year, 590 yards rushing, does he return? Yeah, Dylan will be back, and he'll be a senior, and he's, he's obviously played a lot of, of minutes. Then we have another running back, Carl Garman, who, who was injured. He got, a, uh, got injured and didn't play a whole lot towards the end of the year, but he was an all-conference as a true freshman. And um, so, uh, you know, he just he got injured. Uh, but Dylan is more, um, you know, he's very durable. He's, you know, our, one of our hardest workers in the weight room, one of our strongest players, pound for pound. So, uh, we'll have a two-headed monster between those two, and we have a, a couple freshmen coming in. And I, I tell you, our fullback, we're going to let him get some carries. That young man is uh, he's a talented player, not just blocking. I mean, he can, he's really skilled with the football. So we're going to – when we need a big back, we'll just let Dante, you know, carry the ball, or we might just snap it to him and let him just run it, you know, without even handing it to him. 
Yeah, that the voice of John Pennington, the head football coach at West Virginia State, joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. I know, I mean, you know, numbers don't always speak is actual. Uh, you know, defensively, maybe the numbers not so good. But I know, I know one thing: Dustin Krauser was really good for you last year. Uh, your linebacker, he returns, right? What, what does that defense look like for you in 2020? Well, I, I are the best defense that, that we've had since I've been here in, in the six years I've been here as a coordinator and a head coach. Uh, and, and a lot of it is because of the leadership of Dustin. I mean. The, the young man has really accepted the role as, as the leader of the defense, and he's a selfless player uh, that has, you know, he's, he's kept our team extremely connected through this time. And, um, and, and so, you know, the, he's always had the physical makeup. He, he had to get himself back in shape, and he came off a two-year hiatus, and he did that. And last year he finally had the production that he, he knew he could have. And then, you know, this year now he's got the mental makeup on top of the physical and we're getting a lot of phone calls for him about, you know, the next level. So um, we think that he'll have a shot to play at the next level. But it's really his leadership. Um, and we have so many veteran players on our D-line, in our secondary. I mean, uh, and Coach Shell is a phenomenal coach. He's the best teacher of the game of football I've ever seen. Uh, and he's our defensive coordinator. So I think year four, you're going to see extreme production out of that defense. And, you know, offense, obviously, we got some question marks. We're going to have a new quarterback. Um, you know, it'll be a little bit of a different offense because of, you know, different reasons. But uh, so the, uh, we'd love to have a defense that can, you know, we can hang our hat on. And offensively, as long as we, you know, don't screw it up, I think we, we're going to be in every single game. Yeah, I know you had, you had your schedule revised or the MEC revised uh, schedule. So you'll open the season at Frostburg State on uh, Thursday, September 10th. You In terms of – Will football be played in 2020? Oh, I'm I'm pretty um, pretty certain that we're going to play. I mean, the, you know, we have that the 10 game schedule. I mean, obviously, it's about our player safety, and you know, if something happens where we got to make a change. I mean, I know uh, I'm really good at being flexible. I, I'm pretty laid back, and I think that's one of my best qualities as a leader. So I, I know that every day it things change. You know, so whether we play 10 games or uh, you know maybe we just if things get bad, we might have to scrimmage local teams. And whatever we have to do, we're going to do. But I really feel full season, and uh, I'm hopeful for that. But I'm also preparing for anything. You know, we we got to make sure that we're ready in case there isn't a season. And what do we got to do to make sure, you know, our players, uh, you know, can, can stay active with football and keep their grades up. So we're we're preparing, you know, for, for the worst, but we're hopeful for the best. Yep. John Pennington in his fourth season as the head football coach at West Virginia State joins us here. On the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, the Yellow Jackets open the season on Thursday, September 10th at Frostburg State. Coach Pennington, as always, I appreciate the time. I appreciate your candor. Look forward to uh, to talking with you in 2020. Yeah, uh, Donald, I really appreciate what you do. And I, I do have to mention um, our, uh, our kicker and our, our special teams, mm-hmm. uh, just to throw it out there because I'm really – uh, uh, Martin Allstrom is, is one of the best kickers in the country. I think, you know, he's as good as – he may be the best kicker in the country at punting, kicking, and kickoffs. And our, our, our long snapper is a senior. And our, uh, we have a lot of good special teams, I think. So defense and special teams together, uh, I wanted to put Martin's name out there because he's done a phenomenal job for us in the kicking game. No, absolutely. Sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll talk with you soon. Yes, sir. John Pennington has done a really good job there at West Virginia State 
and again, the program had been suffering, started to turn it around his last year as the offensive coordinator. Then once he took over the program, just took it to another level. And again, I think if they had beaten Notre Dame that last game of the season, the Yellow Jackets would have made the Division Two playoffs. That's going to wrap it up for today's HBCU Football Daily Podcast. On tomorrow, we're going to take things to Oklahoma and preview the Langston Lions, an outstanding program. Langston has an outstanding program. Just missed making the NAIA playoffs on last year, but won another conference title. Don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast where we get in-depth with respect to HBCU football and the 52 teams. So you don't want to miss any of the episodes of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast where you can download and listen at BoxToRow.com, also on iHeartMedia and iTunes. Talk with you tomorrow. Won't you touch me, baby?